0: what is up everyone it's quinn here and in this video i'm going to be going through my round one rookie rankings for the 2024 class um keep in mind this is going to be for super flex leagues so obviously going to uh be pushing those quarterbacks up this will be my first video kind of diving into this rookie class i think it's very interesting i think the first like half of the first round up is going to be very deep a lot of really talented players in there i think towards the back end of the first round as we get closer to the nfl draft it'll clear some things up there specifically at the quarterback position just with some of the landing spots or uh, you know just draft capital in general for some of those dudes so you know subject to change obviously but if you guys enjoy the video do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. As always, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Which players are you higher on, lower on? Let me know your reasoning. We're also going to be splitting these dudes up into different tiers, but let's dive right into it. Starting off with my number one overall player in tier one, it's going to be Caleb Williams. and I feel like he's a guy who's Starting to have some like prospect fatigue uh, surrounding him. Um, He obviously played at an incredibly high level from his true freshman season all the way through his junior year. He has top tier arm talent, can also make plays with his legs. Not going to be like a Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts level runner, but he can definitely still produce and also, you know, get out of the pocket, make plays with his arm also. He is great out of structure. We saw that over his past two seasons at USC, and that was definitely needed just based on their offensive line, Um, especially in the 2023 season. I feel like there have been a few specific criticisms of Caleb Williams. The first one, and maybe the one that I think is most credible, is that his system and play style at USC definitely isn't like an easy transition right into the NFL. Like that's not the way you're gonna see him play at the NFL level. He wasn't asked to go through a ton of multiple read progressions and a lot of his production did kind of come out of structure. I did mention that as a positive and I do think it is a plus that he can play out of structure, but you would like to see a larger sample size of him just sitting in the pocket and going through those reads um, because that's definitely something he's gonna have to do at the next level. And I'm not saying he can't do that. It's just not something we saw a ton of, especially over his uh, last two seasons. There's also been some other criticism, kind of like a weird narrative about him not being like mature enough for the NFL to be a team's leader, to be a team's quarterback one. For me, like I'm not really buying into that. Like you had the thing where he breaks down after the game that I think pretty much like you know took them out of uh, playoff potential or like being a top seed and he's like breaking down, crying. Everyone jumps on him for it. For me, don't really care about that. I feel like if he went out there and handled it almost too well and didn't seem emotional, Those same people might have come for him, you know, in that situation. He's also taken some heat for USC, kind of falling off later on in the season. They ended up with an 8-5 record, and I just don't really see how we're putting this on him. Obviously, he didn't play perfect in some of their losses, but they had the third highest points per game amongst FBS schools. Um, the defense was top 15 in most points allowed, and in the five losses, they allowed 41.6 points per game. So it's definitely going to be tougher to win when your defense has given up you know 40-plus in certain matchups. I think it's pretty tough to put that one on Caleb Williams. It seems like at this point, he's close to a lock to be the number one pick, whether that's to the Bears or someone trading up to that spot. Um, I do like him here as my top option at this point. Now, my number two player is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., also in tier one. At this point, it seems like he's pretty much the consensus wide receiver one, both from like a fantasy and dynasty perspective, and then also, you know, what the NFL is looking at. Um, Definitely seems like he's going to be the top wide receiver taken off the board. I actually think that Malik Neighbors is pretty close. Um, I still have Marvin Harrison Jr. as the guy, um, but I do think Malik Neighbors is very, very interesting also. So Marvin Harrison Jr. played behind JSN, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave his freshman season. Didn't do a ton as a freshman, but tough to fault him there just based on that target competition and all those players being older than him. He puts together a big sophomore and junior season. He's an awesome route runner, great hands. Great and contested catch situations, and I think the quarterback play was lacking a little bit, especially in his junior season. Obviously, not as a sophomore, but in his junior year, he didn't have the top tier quarterback like a guy like Malik Neighbors, so he wasn't able to stamp like an absurd statistical season. But obviously, still very strong numbers. At this point looks like he's a lock to be picked in the uh, top five. Definitely a very interesting draft um, for these offensive guys. It seems like a lot of them are going to be going off the board in the top 10, which is fun to see. Uh, Sticking around in tier one, we're gonna have another quarterback. It's gonna be Jaden Daniels um, out of LSU. And I think there's a pretty strong argument you could make that Daniels has the highest fantasy ceiling in this class, Um, especially the quarterback position. He put up a dominant 2023 season. In 12 games, he passed for 3,812 yards, 40 passing touchdowns, only four interceptions, rushed for 1,134 yards, and then 10 touchdowns. He has strong arm talent top tier rushing upside, like not just a dude who's mobile can get you some yards. He could come into the NFL and be up there with like the Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, those dudes in terms of rushing volume and uh, rushing success. Obviously he was surrounded by talented wide receivers, Malik Neighbors. Uh, Brian Thomas Jr. Going to talk about those guys later on also. But it's not like, you know, in his games, he was just finding those dudes wide open all the time and they were carrying him. He was definitely hitting those dudes in some tight windows. Um, He was showing off and obviously having those talented wide receivers definitely did help. It looks like he's trending towards being a top five pick. So with the upside, with his legs, we've seen guys, you know, with that rushing upside in recent years have a lot of success. You know, obviously Jalen Hurts. Uh, Justin Fields, right, we're at the point where three years into his career, we don't really know what to make of him, but he has still been a top fantasy option while not necessarily producing like an above average NFL starter. Um, And then this most recent class, Anthony Richardson, obviously uh, didn't stay healthy, but in the games he played, he looked like a very, very strong fantasy option. And now wrapping up tier one, another quarterback here, the third in tier one, it's going to be Drake May. Um, And if you had Drake May higher, I wouldn't push back too hard. Looks like he's going to be a top five pick also. He has the ideal quarterback size. He also is a dual threat, not gonna have the rushing ceiling of a guy like Jaden Daniels, but still very mobile, can make plays with his legs. And after he sat behind Sam Howell in his freshman season, very strong back-to-back years in 2022 and 2023. So definitely think he's worthy of being here um, in tier one. Now shifting into tier two, I'm going to start off this tier with Malik neighbors. And I do think this tier two kind of has the potential to just kind of like merge into tier one at some point, um, especially when we get like landing spots and draft capital, all that. But at this point, gonna have Malik Neighbors leading a very small tier two. Like I mentioned, he's my clear-cut wide receiver two behind Marvin Harrison Jr. He broke out as a sophomore, 72 receptions for 1,009 receiving yards. Monster junior year, 89 receptions, 1,569 receiving yards, and 14 touchdowns. He's a great athlete. I think he's gonna test very well at the combine. Great after the catch. Um, And at this point, I would be very surprised if he slips out of the top 10. I think a landing spot with the uh, Chargers would be ideal. I mean, that would be just perfect. Match him up with Justin Herbert, would love to see that. And it definitely does seem like that is in the uh, range of outcomes here. And then my other guy in tier two is gonna be Brock Bowers, Um, only tight end in this video. And he's pretty much as good of a tight end prospect as you're gonna find, especially like for fantasy purposes, right? We don't care a ton about the blocking, if any. Um, about the blocking. So as a pass catcher, he's as good as you're going to find. I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, people in the fantasy community kind of view Brock Bowers, because I feel like Kyle Pitts was the last tight end who was kind of talked about with a ceiling comparable to Brock Bowers, both being really strong pass catchers. And there's no doubt that Kyle Pitts has not really worked out for fantasy. Not saying that I don't think you know, he's gonna be a top option moving forward. But just at this point, he hasn't been a great hit. So on one hand, I could kinda see people being maybe a little bit scared off, right? The last time we saw a guy go this high in rookie drafts, he didn't really pan out. But on the other hand, we're coming off a season where we had a lot of young tight ends find success. I mean, specifically looking at the rookies, guys like Sam Laporta. I mean, Laporta was fantastic. You also have Kincaid as a rookie who looked really solid. Um, And those were guys who are not even talked about like in the same stratosphere as Brock Bowers when it comes to uh, prospects. It's really rare to see tight ends put up big receiving numbers like at any point in college, but he broke out as a true freshman. 56 receptions for 882 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns to put that into perspective he had more receiving yards in his freshman year than harrison jr neighbors and odunze put together all three of those dudes did not match the uh, receiving yardage total for brock bowers he followed it up with two more impressive seasons i think he could be a top 10 pick when we're looking at some of these top tier weapons i do think if there was one guy who maybe might slip it could be bowers but I definitely don't think that's because of his ability. I just think it could come down to like team need and, you know, just kind of random factors there. So Brock Bowers, very interested in him at the tight end position. Now pivoting into tier three, going to start off this tier with Roma Dunze. And I think some people may think this is too low. Um, I feel like people are viewing this as like a very clear top three with uh, Odunze, Neighbors, and Harrison Jr. And I do have him as my wide receiver three, but I do think there is some separation from Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, at least in my opinion. He didn't have like the big uh, sophomore year production like the other two dudes, which I do think is important, right? He didn't have that super early breakout, but he put together very strong uh, junior and senior seasons. There's really not a ton of holes you can poke in Odunze as a player. Great size, six foot three, 200 pounds. He's a strong route runner has strong body control, uh, specifically near like the sideline, contested catches. And it also looks like he's going to be getting that draft capital as a a top 10 pick. So tough to not like him. And then my other tier three wide receiver, I do think there's some variance on how people are viewing these wideouts. Personally, I really like Troy Franklin. He had a year two breakout, 61 receptions for 891 yards and nine touchdowns. Followed that up with 81 receptions for 1,383 yards and 14 touchdowns as a junior. He has legit speed. He is a top deep threat, 17.1 yards per reception as a junior. He's six foot two. So, you know, decent size height wise, but he is kind of, you know, very lanky, only 170 pounds. So he's not going to go out there and be super physically dominant, but we have seen a ton of examples in recent years of some of these like smaller framed wide receivers, these skinnier guys finding success in the NFL and very early on. I mean, just to point out a few, Devonta Smith, Jordan Addison, Tank Dell, all dudes who came in very light, um, but are putting up great numbers at the NFL level. So I am very interested in uh, Troy Franklin. And now pivoting into my fourth and final tier, this is where we're going to be getting into uh, some of the other quarterback options. I'm going to start off this tier with Michael Penix. And I do just want to preface this with these quarterbacks. Draft capital is going to be huge. So at this point, I don't think anyone has a great idea where these players are going to go. I mean, after the Texas game, people were talking about Penix as like a potential top 10 pick. Then he has the rough national championship. Now is even going in the first round. There's just a lot of variance. So this is kind of assuming that Penix is going somewhere in the first round. Um, if he's not going in the first round, he will definitely... Um, Be dropped. He's definitely an interesting prospect just based on the fact that he suffered season-ending injuries in each of his first four seasons Very very rare to see that he had two torn right ACLs He uh, had surgery on a dislocated SC joint on his right shoulder and then he suffered an AC separation on his left shoulder Which is his uh, throwing shoulder? After those four seasons of, you know, just ending early, he had two very impressive seasons in his fifth and sixth collegiate seasons. The thing is, though, he is definitely pretty much older than everyone else on the field, which isn't really his fault, right? Like, it's not like he was terrible his first four years and then was only good in year five or year six. He was just maxed out at six games in a season through his first four seasons. Um, You had the college playoff semifinal and the championship game that were pretty much just like opposites in terms of his performance. He looked amazing against Texas. He made a ton of high, high high-level throws, showed off his arm talent, also showed off some mobility out of structure, um, which was kind of interesting because we saw a similar thing with CJ Stroud where that was kind of a complaint with him you know, throughout his uh, final season at Ohio State, but then in the Georgia game, he showed out with that mobility and I think it definitely helped his draft stock. For Michael Penix, he kind of did the same thing, but then he actually had to play another game after it and he definitely didn't play at the same level uh, going up against Michigan. So at this point, the draft capital, like I said, definitely just seems like it's up in the air, but I also think he has the potential to slip if the uh, NFL doesn't like his medicals, which is definitely a legit concern. Uh, after Penix, it's going to be another quarterback and probably not a super popular pick here. we're going to have J.J. McCarthy. Um, definitely interesting because he was asked to do way less than the other top quarterbacks in this class. But on the other hand, he's like two plus years younger than guys like Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. So you could project, right, like if he's going to stay in college for an extra two years like those dudes did, could he end up putting up similar production, you know, potentially I guess we don't really know that's kind of why I think he's in an interesting spot here and I also just think he's going to get drafted higher than a lot of people think I don't think he declares for the draft if him and the people around him you know his agent whoever it is who should be tapped into this process if they don't think he's going to be going in the first round or receive really strong draft capital why would they have him declare I just think he's going to be a guy who goes sooner than a lot of people expect, or even think he should. Um, as a player, he definitely has a very impressive arm. He's mobile enough to make plays with his legs out of structure. Even though he does have the nice arm, he definitely hasn't shown great touch and almost relies like too much on just you know blasting missiles to his uh, wide receivers. I would be pretty surprised if he was a day one NFL starter, just based on the fact, like I said, at Michigan, he wasn't asked to do a ton. He wasn't asked to be the focal point of that offense. They relied very heavily on their defense and the run game, but just because he's not a day one NFL starter doesn't mean that he can't be successful. I mean, we have a dude like Jordan Love, um, recording this before his playoff game, but right balling out here in his first year as a starter, after sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. he was drafted to a winning organization in the first round, waited for his opportunity and is now playing really well. I think a similar situation could happen here with JJ McCarthy, where maybe he gets picked towards the back end of the first round, you know, a winning team, maybe some QB uncertainty. I think that is a potential outcome here for uh, JJ McCarthy. And now pivoting into my final tier four player that is not another quarterback, Brian Thomas Jr. I think the wide receiver position definitely gets kind of congested uh, here for me. I could see an argument for multiple different wide receivers. Brian Thomas didn't have a huge season until his junior year in 2023, but he caught 68 passes for 1,177 yards and 17 touchdowns. Just a massive overall year. Plus, it looks like the NFL is very interested in him. Could be like a mid first round pick. So it definitely seems like he is going to be getting a first round draft capital. And then my final player in these rankings, it's going to be another quarterback. It is Bo Nix wrapping up tier four here. A guy who had a lot of experience in college, played in 61 games over five seasons. Really, though, started to break out in his uh, two years at Oregon. I think Nix is probably in the range of like back end round one to somewhere in the second round. Although interestingly, I do think in Daniel Jeremiah's first mock draft, I believe Bo Nix went mid first. So maybe I'm kind of underselling where he could go in drafts. Um, it kind of seemed like for a while he was viewed as like the last dude in this tier of quarterbacks, but maybe that's not the case. We'll kind of wait and to see how this, uh, you know, kind of progresses, but he definitely has all the physical tools to be a solid NFL quarterback. He might not blow you away in any specific area, but he's got a fine arm. Um, definitely mobile enough to extend plays. I do think there are going to be some questions about his ability to work through progressions. Oregon set him up very well, just in terms of getting him pretty easy first reads and a dude who does have so much college experience, but maybe hasn't put the tape out there of going through a ton of progressions. How is the NFL going to feel about that? I guess we will uh, wait and see here. So that's going to wrap it up for my top 12, my current round one. Like I said at the top, let me know how you guys are feeling about these rankings. Um, If you enjoyed, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Thank you as always, and I will see you all in the next one.